0: What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, deal shopping. Digging deep into the math behind the prices. I'll discuss why one bet is already paying off with a price move in an NFL draft market, plus the curious case of Trey Lance. Then it's Let's Do That Hockey, math edition. Betting on the Oilers means betting on Connor McDavid, so why not just bet on him? A pricing investigation to see where the value lies in Edmonton. Plus, an explanation of market ratings and how the Leafs and Habs rating for tonight's game doesn't add up to the money line price. Plus, at long last, the Senators are favored. Why, that's good news and bad for betting tonight. It's time to enter the window. Let's go. welcome to the window i'm your host matt russell we'll get to let's do that hockey here in a little bit but of course it is nfl drafts eve so we have to do a little bit of nfl draft stuff off the top and of course we have to start as usual with the kyle pitts report minus 225 in the top five minus 270 in under five and a half the discrepancy is back again at bet 365 of course last week we talked about how the discrepancy was minus 125 for him to be a top five pick where his number was under five and a half and he was just what minus 160 minus 165 we have seen them both move up they moved up to minus 225 um, in conjunction and now we're seeing another one bop up to minus 270 the under five and a half minus 270 him to go in the top five is minus 225 and of course that is the same bet again not recommending it at this point because again we got all we needed to get out of it from minus 125 last week so we're good to go there Uh, elsewhere JC Horn really talked that much about this bet you know specifically but we saw it last week plus 650 defensive first defensive player to go in the draft right And we know okay there's patrick certain talking you know everybody's talking about him going 10 to dallas don't necessarily disagree with that but after him who is the sort of second most likely guy to go and we felt like it was jc horn well his number goes from plus 650 now down to plus 260 And as the information comes out here, and we sort of shape this a little bit more, we go, okay, doesn't really feel like Micah Parsons, who is minus 200 right now to go over 12 and a half. And there's no defensive lineman that's going to seemingly jump up into the top 10. So it's kind of JC Horn or nothing as far as a team, um, you know, reaching, if you will, in the top 10 for a defensive player. And just because he's moved up from 650 to 260, of course, doesn't, you know, mean anything necessarily for our likelihood of winning the bet just means that we got a really good price last week and we were able to analyze in a sea of you know markets and players and all of that sort of thing we were able to find value before this event even happened now it could have just not moved at all we could be sitting there at plus 650 waiting for the draft to start and kind of you know sticking to our guns if you will that we were right and maybe he ends up going 11 after certain goes 10 or something along those lines and we lose the bet and we just never would have known whether we had value at least we now know that we did have value on betting horn at plus 650 as he slowly moves um closer and closer to certain now again more talk about certain going to the cowboys at 10 and a half so so it's going to require Horn to jump him, essentially. But at least now with plus 650 in our back pocket and certain being less less um you know definitive, if you will, uh favorite, we can now come back on certain if we want at minus 120 to be the first pick um, of the defensive players, or we can try to middle this at under 10 and a half. And how of course we would do that is horn goes eight, he goes nine, um maybe even goes seven and then certain goes 10 and a half to Dallas the way everybody sort of thinks he's supposed to do it now Problem is what if he doesn't go 10? What if Dallas trades back? What if Dallas trades up? Jerry Jones just gets a hankering for some Kyle Pitts or something and they trade up. And now all of a sudden that 10 and a half means nothing because it's not like Atlanta was trading back necessarily to get certain or, you know, whomever happens to trade up down sideways. Who cares? Um, point is, is that, you know, you can at least go for a middle in that case where horn goes first and then certain goes 10th. Um, more likely would be just to sort of quasi hedge it with certain. So again, easy um, math here, let's sort of say you have 10 bucks on horn at plus 650, right, you win 65. Let's take 24 of that at certain minus 120. And use that on him. And now he ends up know if he goes first you win 20 lose 10 you're up 10 you made an easy 10 bucks if horn wins you obviously have to give back 24 of the 65 that you made but you still won 41 dollars and you did so with relatively low risk now again if Micah Parsons happens to beat both of those two right he goes ahead of those two guys you are then out on 34 dollars not ideal, but still not the end of the world. And I'm using those sort of round numbers, you can extrapolate that up to 20, you can extrapolate that up to 200, you can extrapolate that as high as your sportsbooks willing to go, whatever you're willing to risk as far as one of those two guys being a top pick. And the key to this is cornerback is a key position in NFL defenses, right? It's defensive line, particularly rush defensive edge, et cetera, et cetera, right? pressure on the quarterback and then on the back end is coverage it's why safety is devalued it's why off ball linebacker is devalued at this point which again is another case for why parsons you know it seems like people think that he's going to drop or at least not um, you know jump up not be in the top 10 so um, now we have options here that one of those two cornerbacks is going to go first, and we're able to cash one way or another. Uh, other moves in this, uh, in the mix here when it comes to the NFL draft, uh, Quitty Pay has gone from minus 200 and change to minus 105 as Jalen Phillips is getting some buzz. He's still minus, uh, you know, 105 to Phillips plus 120, and he's still 16 and a half, juiced a little bit to the over, so like, you know, closer to 17. And Phillips is juiced a little to the under at 18 and a half, so again, closer to 18. So feels very cool coin flippy from a market standpoint i'm going to stick to my guns and say that Quiddy pay ends up being the first pick between the two um, because again we're in that middle zone here where teams jumping up team teams trading back um, i wouldn't mess with any of the over unders when it comes to that because again listen we're talking about two players of the similar position phillips more of the game wrecker um, you know need sacks out of him type of a guy he pay more of a consistent um you know multi-talented type guy as far as being able to stop the run and rush the passer as well and then there's the curious case of trey lance right and we sit here as still he is a favorite to go in the top six but and again we mock out these drafts and we go where is that going to come because again mac jones confusing but minus 300 to go in the top you know to go third overall okay if he's going third overall at minus 300 if we believe that Pitts, Sewell, Chase, kind of the next three. And so one of those guys is going to have to fall out for Trey Lance to go. He's also going to have to get drafted by one of those teams or a trade. He's not going to get drafted by Cincinnati. He's going to get drafted by Miami. The Atlantic case has always been the curious one. And so when you look at this and you go... Okay, what does Atlanta need here? Well, I would have said at any point this past season that Atlanta's going to need a quarterback here because Matt Ryan is literally on his last legs. Now, they're committed to him for another two years, mainly because they're hamstrung by his salary cap number, and the idea of cutting him would just absolutely crush them from a salary cap standpoint. And so, wouldn't you want a guy who's maybe a project? Now, again, we just assume Trey Lance is a project because he played for an FCS team. talked about him yesterday in comparison with Mac Jones and the idea of competition. But if he's going to go in the top four, it's obviously got to be a trade down or it's got to be Atlanta picking. Now, we talked about what's the deal with uh, San Francisco and hiding the concept of who they're going to pick. But now that we think that it's going to be mac jones again agree with that as much as you want that's not really the point of this exercise why has there been subterfuge well what if they believe and again we talked about this earlier on in the week what if again shanahan knows how much uh how much uh, matt ryan has left in him and he knows that atlanta should want a quarterback whether he knows specifically that they do you know, let's look at it a little bit more widely here. When's Atlanta going to get another chance at a franchise quarterback, right? They picked Matt Ryan 15 years ago, uh, number two overall, and haven't drafted that high since. And if they have a decent season, which they are capable of doing, they think about it this way. Think about all the games that they blew late in games. Remember the Todd Gurley fall on the one-yard line. Remember the Dallas fiasco with the onside kicks and all of that sort of nonsense. Um, remember even just losing to Tampa Bay at home, after being up what three touchdowns something along those lines at halftime right there's a ton of games this team is a lot closer to challenging for a wild card next year especially with maybe a step back for the Saints than they are challenging if you quote unquote for a top five draft pick ever again and when we talk about needing ammo here to move up in the draft right like do you want to spend that later or do you want to just spend it now? Because as much as Kyle Pitts is a nice sort of addition, as, you know, Jamar Chase would be in theory a nice addition, but they've got Julio Jones. Again, are they going to trade? What's going on there? But again, they still have enough pass catchers at this point that they don't really need either. Now, again, Kyle Pitts, I think, is a game changer. Again, I don't have to tell you how what I think about Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts could go third to San Francisco. And if you can dabble uh, at him on 50-1, to 1, I would absolutely do that. But the point is, is, if you're Atlanta and you're sitting there going like, when are we ever going to get another chance to draft here in the top three, four or five to get a top pick? This is our chance. And so if San Francisco sees that, that would be reason for them to sort of say, well, we kind of like Trey Lance. We kind of do. Maybe you should trade for our pick like we did to the Chicago Bears a few years back. And that's the reason, I think, why Shanahan's doing this. Because again, if he thinks that it's Mac Jones, and it was leaked that it was Mac Jones like a month ago, why all this other nonsense? And it's maybe to try to get something out of Shanahan's former employer, because they actually do want a quarterback, which would make a ton of sense as to why Lance is favored to go under six and a half. Because otherwise, you're just betting on a trade. And as likely or sort of, you know, fun as a trade might be, or sort of sensical as a trade might be, even for a team like Miami, who I think could easily trade back a couple of spots here. And, you know, looking back on it, kind of don't really know why they didn't, you know, just stick in 12 so that they could grab a wide receiver because there's a handful of guys available there. But again, you're now betting on a trade happening at a significantly juiced price, which I just don't think really adds up. So something to think about there with the curious case of Trey Lance. As they say in hockey... Let's do that hockey. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Yeah, let's get into a let's do that hockey. Um, last night, not a ton necessarily to talk about um, when looking back because we only played one game. It didn't go well, though it kind of went eh, kind of how we thought it might in that Chicago and Tampa Bay, you know, thought Chicago would score and trying to predict a team scoring against Tampa Bay at a decent rate anyway. Um you know, can be kind of scary, right? Because Vasilevsky's in net. It's a defensive-oriented team at this point, given the structure of the team. We've talked about this at length, right? But I did go out of, you know, out of my way, quote-unquote, if you will, to sort of think that Chicago's going to score. Now, hindsight being twenty twenty, I think back and I go, why didn't I just bet team total over for Chicago? Because then you don't have to rely on whether or not Chicago gives a bleep um, defensively or whether the goaltending is in. And so in the Action Network preview, I talked about You know, the idea that both the goaltenders are basically identical at this point when it comes to Subban and Lankanen, and, you know, sometimes they get hung out to drive by the Blackhawks, and I even referenced, and it was even quoted by the Action Network um, in a promotional tweet, you know, like, listen, this is a team that's capable of giving up six goals at the drop of a hat, but I'm going to back them anyway, because, again, I don't think this is a night where they give up six goals. Well, they gave up six goals, and so, uh, you're right, that's obviously a... a, uh, you know, part of the probability of Tampa Bay winning, right, part of this, a 60% win probability of Tampa Bay is a big chunk of that is that they're just going to score because Chicago, for one reason or another, doesn't kind of show up defensively. Now, I don't really think it was Chicago's problem defensively. Kevin Lankanen was atrocious to start the game. He gets pulled at the end of the first period. I don't know why they didn't even pull him before that. Gives up three goals in the first period, two in the first three shots, and basically some of the softer goals that you're ever going to see. And so Chicago's down two to nothing, kind of through no fault of their own. At one point, they're out shooting uh, Tampa Bay, like 15 to six, 15 to seven, something along those lines. And, you know, they're carrying much of the play and that sort of thing now Tampa Bay ends up 2.48 expected goals four to 1.63 for Chicago which still isn't that much of a discrepancy and again part of that Chicago does score and scores four goals in a seven to four loss empty net goal so really a six four type game but the high danger chances were nine for Chicago 13 for Tampa Bay again a little bit more than we would have hoped when it comes to you know giving up 13 high danger chances on Tampa Bay a team that I talked about in the preview, I believe I'm getting the numbers right here, but 16 in their last 16 games where they've been eight and eight, they've had five games where they hit double digits in high danger chances. Now I would expect them to hit high, you know, double digits and high danger chances against the Blackhawks just because the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks. But you know, uh, that being said, like I'd expect a little bit more from the goaltending that again has been above average. Whether it was Subban or whether it was Lankan in this season, um, you know, in a goals saved above average category, brutal night for Lankan as he was quite a minus when it comes to goals saved above average. Now, the good news is, is the you know we maximized our winning potential on Monday night, going four and zero, and you know. You're expected to win about half of these games, right? Like that's why we play underdogs so much because we're really only trying to win about 50% of the time by betting uh, a majority or sort of an average uh, money line, if you will, of better than plus 100, right? We want an average money line at the end of the season of, you know, any I mean, as high as we can possibly get it essentially as long as we're still going 50%. And so we go 4-0. and And whether you sort of believe in immediate regression or just the concept of some of these teams that lost the night before coming back the next night and winning, because again, they're good hockey teams, they lost as, you know, favorites the night before, they're certainly capable of winning the very next night, and so you want to kind of steer clear. But, you know, we had two of those um, situations when it comes to Carolina and Dallas, you know, 1.91 to 1.63 in the expected goals for for Carolina. So again, a score that didn't necessarily reflect the play five on five, 10 to eight for Carolina in the high danger chances. But again, um, a difference in goaltending right? We talked about the goaltending change, and the price didn't really change um, with it, right? So we had the Ottinger versus Reimer matchup. And the very next day, you've got Ned uh, going up against uh, Kudobin, and the price doesn't change. And so, you know, there's obviously something missing there. Now, it wasn't enough for me to go like, all right, let's just pile into Carolina here. Obviously, that would have worked. But, you know, I think You know, there's some obviously some value into just not betting Dallas and getting sort of suckered into that same sort of thing with Nashville, right? We talked about the um, pretty heavy expected goals for in favor of Florida, you know, Dredger leaving with an injury, Um, you know, uh, Nashville converting on an unusual number of high danger chances in that game and that's what kept us away from nashville the second time because we're like listen florida didn't even play that badly i wouldn't expect them to play badly in this game and sure enough 1.43 for nashville to 3.21 expected goals for for florida and you know 50 shots to 25 late in the game when it came to you know in favor of florida so again they were the much better team nine to 13 uh nashville high danger chances nine florida 13 um and so again um Good that we didn't get sort of suckered into, oh, our bet won yesterday. Like, let's go back to the well with it. Because, again, things change. And an evaluation of that game, like if we had just looked at the score, for example. If we just looked at the score from that first game between National and Florida, we go, oh, they won 4-1. to one let's go back here price didn't change plus 105 good value you know you can sort of all those cliches but we go back and we look and we go "Mm," we actually kind of got lucky there with Nashville's high danger chance conversion rate and that's why we look at these metrics that's why it's important to do so because in some cases it might just take us off a game now again we could have gone super aggressive and gone back onto the other side and gone Carolina and gone Florida but again you know There wasn't any value from a metric standpoint on doing that, and so we end up passing on those games, and they both lose, and so that's great, right? Instead of going four and zero one night and zero and four the next night, we only go zero and one in a game that, again, um, you know had a reasonable probability of losing. We talked about that yesterday. We weren't going to just sit on the 4-0 Monday and just not play it because it didn't, you know, because it, you know, we weren't going to play it to keep the record, you know, despite the fact that there was um, a ton of perceived value on the Chicago Blackhawks. And again, I still think there was. And then the final game, Detroit and Columbus, right? And talking about that game, Detroit, you know, sort of circled on the calendar. You know, we try to find opportunities to bet on Detroit as a big underdog. The market catches up. Didn't take much. It only took a, what, nine-game losing streak for Columbus um, for the market to catch up, that they're terrible. And uh, not that the market didn't already know that. Obviously, they were heavy underdogs in previous games. But relative to Detroit, right, we figured out that Detroit is the better hockey team. uh, In the game last night, 3.14 expected goals, 4-2.89 for Columbus at even strength, which is kind of wild because the game was 0-0 going into overtime so the goaltenders really stepped up it wasn't it was less about Detroit or Columbus not being able to create scoring chances as you know they were able to do so 12-12 in high-danger chances like when has Detroit ever had 12 high-danger chances? when have they ever given up 12 high danger chances so kind of a really outlier performance type thing this game goes to a shootout and Columbus wins in the shootout so again if we had just blindly said you know what we don't care that there's no value left in this Detroit Red Wings you know, team against columbus we're gonna bet it anyway we'd be sitting here complaining about another shootout loss that doesn't go our way so again a bunch of bullets dodged so now we're still sitting here you know four and one on the week with almost four units to the good so can't have really any complaints about that um, as far as tonight's concerned and we have three games in the north and each one of them sort of has a different um, topic spin-off that we can get into and so this one's gonna this is going to be a little mathy this is going to be something that if you're doing something else and listen I listen to a bunch of podcasts and stuff betting podcasts and otherwise and there's stuff that I'm actually really interested in but if I'm doing something else maybe reading something on Twitter as well something who knows um, I can sort of phase out and not really uh, be paying attention This is the type of thing that you're probably going to need to pay attention to if you care. If you don't, you just want to pick. Well, okay, there's going to be one pick for tonight, essentially. But there's going to be more sort of conceptual stuff that, you know, if we talk sort of, you know, sports betting 101, that's kind of what this... This is going to be about so, you know, I don't know that you necessarily need to grab a pen and paper here But you do sort of need to focus up when we talk about some of this stuff So the first thing is Vancouver and Ottawa tonight and we did it everybody the senators are favored Well at least they're favored in a couple of different websites couple of them They're minus 110 on either side, but I tweeted out pinnacle and cool bet today have them as slight favorites first time all season that they will have been favorites first time this season they'll even have a minus in front of them of course you could be minus 105 while the other team is minus 115 and still not be a favorite so there we go we did it and so the victory lap here isn't You know, it isn't necessarily that we've won a bet, though we did, you know, we've gone two and three in this matchup, claiming that the Senators should be favored in these games. And the one game that we lost was a game when the Vancouver Canucks had one high danger chance at even strength. But what it is, from a victory lap standpoint, is confirmation that what we're doing is right in beating the market, right? Then we talk about closing line value in football and point spreads and college basketball to a lesser extent. Football is sort of the best example because, of course, the lines get made well, they get updated, I should say, Sunday, a full week before the games, right? And you have all week to kind of bet into them. And, you know, you might get a half point here or a point and a half there. And you might end up with closing line value. And again, no matter what happens in the game, you know, we sort of consider that the first part um, of making a good bet. Well, in hockey, because normally teams are, you know, transient, they're going from one place to the next, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Same thing in the NBA, even college basketball A game gets played, and you don't really get the second chance to see what happens. Same thing in football, right? Like, you know, we talked I believe there was, you know, off the top of my head, it was Saints at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is minus three, the Saints absolutely destroy Tampa Bay. And we go, okay, well, if they played again tomorrow, would Tampa Bay still be minus three? Maybe not. But it's not like New Orleans was going to be minus three on the road against Tampa Bay. And they end up playing in the playoffs and it's in New Orleans and New Orleans is a three point favorite or three and a half point favorite something along those lines. And Tampa Bay wins the game. And so it just goes to show right one game doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same result a 100 different times. And therefore there shouldn't be a um, massive overreaction to a point spread or in this case, a money line price. And so we don't get that chance in football very often. We don't get it in baseball because the pitchers change. And even in hockey, obviously, there's a possibility that goaltenders change, etc, etc. Um, but the only time we really get it is we get it in the NBA playoffs from like game one to game two, and game three to game four when there isn't a location shift. And we'll, we've got it. And that was what was so fun about last year's, uh, you know, might have been sort of boring for some, but that was what's fun about the NBA bubble and the NHL playoff bubble. Where it was like the price is the price because we're neutral here. We're not changing home court advantages. We're not adjusting percentages on the win probability. Um, you know, once we're moving back and forth. We're just playing these games. And we're restarting it the second time around, we're restarting it the third time around. I remember Denver and uh who what was it? It was Denver and was it Utah that had that crazy playoff series that went billing. And it was like, you know, the number just stayed the same. And they went back and forth and one team won and the other team won. And most of the time it was close. But sometimes, you know, it wasn't and the, the points spread just never changes. Well, you know, in hockey, because of having these sort of consecutive games, at least we get these opportunities to see these numbers changing. And sometimes again, they change because the backup court, you know, goaltender is in or this goaltender is injured or whatever. In this case, like Ottawa is the team that's had goaltender issues. Now I realize Thatcher Demko is out and it's Braden Holpe and maybe uh, the rookie gets the start tonight for Vancouver. And maybe that's what's taken this to uh, favoritism here for Ottawa. But again, the point is we just had three games where Ottawa was the better team in each game. Or at least sort of at the very worst... Kind of a 50-50 proposition, but we kept getting them plus 120, um, plus 100 at, at home in the last game. And again, this isn't, okay, well now we're betting on Ottawa because unfortunately what happens here is, right, the value gets sucked out of it. And so while we're sitting here and we're going, they should be, you know, better than the plus 130 that they were in that first game back in Vancouver last Thursday, they should be better than the plus 120 they were on Saturday, they should be better than the plus 100 at home on Monday. And I think we were right in all of those situations. And so the fact that the market's finally sort of catching up to us is a good sign that we're getting in before the market is, you know, realizing it It means we're getting the best of the number. Now, again, in hockey, it's dollars here, it's cents, right? It's just, okay, we're getting a price at plus, you know, 120 when it should be plus 100. We're getting a price at plus 100 when it should be minus 115, right? Like these things aren't going to determine whether or not you win or lose a bet. Because even right now, you could sit there and go, okay, Vancouver now minus 110, minus 105. Like that's pretty good value on Vancouver. And you could make that bet. It's a 50-50 bet at this point. That's kind of been the whole point. It's been, you know, Ottawa had a, you know, in my opinion, had a 54% chance of winning the game on Monday in that first game back at home. And they did, but it was a super close game. Could have gone either way. Could have been the 46%, you know, probability of Vancouver. You know, one of the, you know, 100 games that they theoretically play, 46 of the time, 46 times they're going to win that game. Might have happened on Monday. Very well could happen tonight. You know, again, if I still think that... um Ottawa has a 54% chance to win the game, which I do. But right now, they're being priced like a team that's going to win the game 52.6% of the time. So right now, the edge is like 1.4%. Again, that's not really enough to necessarily be all that excited about a bet. Though, again, we're still getting a fair price on the favorite, which is something that we've just been looking for at any point this season. So again, if I had to personally bet one way or another, I'd find the best price we possibly could on the Ottawa Senators, and I would still make that play. But it isn't the same thing because the market's caught up to us, which is, again, a good sign for the work that we put into it. It's just not necessarily a good sign for a bet tonight. Uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg. And this is one where maybe it's time to dig in some math here and get a little loose. Um, Okay, so first and foremost, minus 110, minus 110 on either side, right, is the appropriate number. We talked about that before this first game. We talked about how Edmonton might be the better play because of how they've played off of rest sure enough they win they destroy the jets does that mean they're going to be able to do it again well first and foremost we look back at the metrics from last game and we go okay like you know Connor Hellebuck was pretty bad is he just bad now is he just on a like a really really quote-unquote cold streak and is somebody that you don't want anything to do with or was it just sort of small sample size stuff here against toronto before that where he got pulled in the first period or, again, getting pulled um, after giving up a truckload of goals to the Oilers. And so, I don't have a play in this game specifically, but... I want to read you a tweet here from Matt Larkin over at the Hockey News, and, you know, he's sort of going, you know, everybody obviously talking about Connor McDavid at this point, just completely crazy uh, pace for him right now in goals, uh, well, more specifically points, but he he, he tweets out unreal uh, Connor McDavid stat. At five on five, Oilers are plus 88 in scoring chances with him on the ice. Not high danger chances, but just scoring chances in general. Um, Oilers are plus 88 in scoring chances with him on the ice. Without him on the ice, they're minus one. 83. That is crazy. And so again, you could probably extrapolate that down to high danger chances, you could extrapolate, excuse me, extrapolate that down to expected goals for point is, and again, not rocket science, not, um, you know, uh, uh, reinventing the wheel here, Connor McDavid really, really good. And you know, we sort of talk about, okay, like this team is Connor McDavid and everybody else and the everybody else is kind of so bad that it kills their uh, rating to the point where they are about an even um, you know dead average team and you might sit there and go I'm like but hey man like they're second or third in the division like they you know when they win games it's often like big time wins etc cetera, etc cetera. and you go yeah but again like McDavid is the and again not surprisingly he's the thing dragging this team to up to mediocrity right or sort of vice versa they're getting dragged down to mediocrity so i'm thinking to myself what's a way to bet on the oilers that sort of you know obviously kind of just focuses on mcdavid and so i i thought to myself like what if there's value or when we think there's value on the oilers we bet on just mcdavid to do stuff right like you, you can go into the betting markets right now and you can go mcdavid to get a goal plus 125 you can bet on mcdavid uh over one and a half points Edmonton uh, you know plus 100 versus Edmonton being minus um, 120 on the game and so you go okay I started digging in I'm like okay let's get into the math of this how does this work how is there you know is it possible to sort of circumvent betting on the Oilers and just bet on McDavid because you know in my the hypothesis is if McDavid doesn't do stuff they're probably not going to win the game anyway So I don't really need that like parachute element of needing you know Edmonton's peripheral guys to do stuff when fundamentally every time I bet on the Oilers, I'm sitting there going like, I'm gonna need McDavid to do some stuff here. And so I went in, I looked into it and I go, okay, let's dig into some of the math and let's start there. And so in 46 games this season, Connor McDavid has 81 points. And so it's very easy to sit there and lazily handicap that as, oh, okay, he's got 1.76. Points per game. And so lazy handicapper guy goes, Well, hang on a sec. If he's averaging 1.76, that's well over 1.5, and I'm getting even money at 1.5. So again, 50% win prob you know, win probability in this bet that he goes over one and a half. But if he's averaging 1.76, like that's really good value, right? Well, No, not necessarily. You have to go deeper than that. It can't just be because the bet isn't what's he going to average tonight. The bet is what is he going to get tonight. So now we have to look at how many times, right, literally counting how many times he's had more than one point uh, in a game. Because again, if if we make this bet and he gets five points, that's great. That cash is for us. But there's three points in there that don't matter. We win it if he gets two, we win it if he gets five, it doesn't change anything for us, right? This isn't fantasy hockey, where we want him to get as many points as possible, we just need two. So how many times this season has he been capable and uh, excelled to the point where he's gotten two or more points per game? And the answer to that question is 25 out of 46, And you're sitting there and you're going, wait a minute, that's still over 50%. That's great news, exactly. It's 54.3%, which is a 4% edge on plus 100. So I go, okay, that's interesting right there. So automatically that's um, kind of a more interesting bet than a goal at plus 125. So a goal at plus 125, uh, implied win probability means that's going to happen forty four point four percent of the time. So we need that to happen better than forty four point four percent of the time for it to be valuable. In this case, he has had a goal. Uh, he has twenty games with a goal this season. At forty six games, that is uh, about four point uh, excuse me forty three point four percent. Right, right around the number of the. You know, plus 125 money line that they're asking for you, right? 44.4% to 43.4%. We're getting a negative 1% edge or whatever the opposite of an edge is, right? So, again, not, you know, straight up no value um, when it comes to that. So, again, we go, okay, uh, plus 100 for him to go over one and a half. You know, at what point does that cease to become valuable as a general concept? Okay, well, you go, okay, well, Minus 110, minus 120, something along those lines. Now, obviously for Edmonton, they have different uh, opponents, right? And it's not just a matter of win-loss for Edmonton. It's win at what cost, uh, lose at what cost for your bet. So I went deeper in. I go, okay, well, when they win, you know, how often does McDavid get two plus points? Because if the theory is I need him to get two plus points in this game... Uh, in order for them to win, like, it has to be accurate, right? Like, what if he's getting two plus points in a bunch of losses? What if they win a bunch of times when he gets, uh, you know, kind of shut out, if you will? And so when I looked into this, now we're looking at they are nine and six, uh, 19 and six, excuse me, when he gets uh, two plus points. So, okay, there's six times this season where he gets two plus points and they don't even win. So you're winning a bet there when you know you're you know you would have lost on just Edmonton and you're winning a bet on Connor McDavid when the team loses so 24% of the time he does it they lose is that a significant amount? Never done this with anybody else, so I don't really know. In the 28 wins, he has two plus points 19 times. It means nine times they've won a game this season where he didn't have two plus points. So 67.8% of wins when he does it, okay? So when we factor all that out and we go, okay, well, what if we just, instead of when we're looking for value or when we're trying to find value or we get value sort of you know thrown in our face, if you will, for the Oilers... You know, what if we just blindly bet on the Oilers every single game? Well, they have 28 wins and 25 losses. So 25 losses, there's minus 25 units. The 28 units that we would win all presumes that they are favored. And, you know, we'll sort of average it out as a team that is dead average. We're going to average out that their wins just happen to be all at about even money, right? This isn't a team that's favored uh, every single game like the Leafs. They're not a team that's an underdog in every single game the way that the Senators are. And so if you look at that and you go, okay, in the games that he does it, you know, if you just bet on the Oilers and they win, you're getting 28 of their wins, right? You're getting 28 units versus you're only up 10 units if you're betting McDavid in all of those wins. So you're going, okay, well, we should be betting Edmonton every single game because of how often McDavid doesn't get two plus points in the games that they win. Well, what about the losses? Because the losses are losses, they're all losses, you're going to be minus 25 units in all of those losses. And so you're ending up just three units above 500 if you're betting on Edmonton every single game. And that's presuming an average money line of even money, right? Sometimes they're, you know, plus 100. Sometimes they're minus 120. A lot of times they're minus 110. But we'll get to that in a second. On the flip side, if you're betting McDavid, and they lose, what are you getting? Well, because he's won, or won the bet, Right? Because he's had two plus points in six losses, you're now only losing 13 units in all of their losses. So instead of losing 25 units, you're losing only 13. So you go, okay, what does that mean? Well, fundamentally, if you just bet Edmonton every time, you're up three units, again, presuming even money as an average. But if you bet McDavid every single time, you're down three units, presuming even money as the over one and a half currently is tonight against Winnipeg. And so you okay, so it's better off to bet Edmonton. Yes, that's, again, implying that his, you know, Edmonton is an even money um, price. But the point is here is that's not how sportsbooks work, right? They're even money right now, according to my model 5050 chance they win tonight against Winnipeg. Well, even that's going to be minus 110 on either side it's what it was last game it's what it is this game you're seeing a little bit more actually on the Edmonton side where you're seeing them minus 115 so okay now we have to start factoring that in meanwhile McDavid is kind of always going to be even money to go over one and a half like what's the circumstance where he would be um, you know higher than that right what's the circumstance where he'd be minus 110 minus 120 you know against I suppose the Oilers right it's a pretty good example not against the Oilers I me, mean against the Senators when the Oilers play the Senators they you know absolutely have crushed them this season that's going to be the circumstance where he is at minus that number but there's a lot of time right whether it's Toronto Montreal which has done really well against him by the way as sort of a subset to sort of avoid but you know he's going to be plus 110 plus 120 plus 130 because getting a point and a half is really really difficult right it's going to require him to get 100 points this season or better than 100 points It's going to require him to get 112 points you know if he played all 56 games in this season which right now again People sort of, you know, the market right now has him at 99.5 points, theoretically, to uh, to finish this season with, which of course is still less than two. So again, the point is to get two points, he should be plus something. And, you know, this kind of feels like plus 100 is a really expensive price, right? A really uh, not that valuable price bet to make. So what if, though, the Oilers are minus 110 in that example that we gave before if they're minus 110 in every single game again not literally an average if they're minus 110 in all games that they've played so far right they're still getting the 28 units when they win but the 25 units that they lose are no longer 25 units they're 27.5 units right because you're losing 10% more because you're having to bet 10% more at minus 110 so now all of a sudden that's a real you know an even breakdown right you're no longer up plus three you're now up a half a unit whoopie do big deal Right, but what if the Oilers are minus 120? Forget minus 115, minus. What if their average money line price is minus 120 because of Connor McDavid? Right, that's what we look at when we bet the Oilers. Why are the Oilers priced this way? Oh, because Connor McDavid's on the team. Even though that, as a whole, including Connor McDavid on the team, this team is again just 50-50 when it comes to win probability against an average team of which in the North there's kind of a lot of them. Well, now you get into the minus 120s and now you're paying a full 20% more. So now instead of plus three, you're now down minus two in your, you know, because your, your wins are worth the same, but your losses are worth more in the loss column. And now you're minus two at an average of minus 120 for the season. And here we are sitting there on the road, minus 115 here. So I would imagine their average um, price this season is uh, higher than minus 110. But again, why would the McDavid number change, right? One and a half is always going to be the number. The price is going to change a little bit here and there. But again, plus 100 feels like a really low price given the fact that he just had five points against the Jets. You know, he's not playing some of these other teams, the Calgaries of the world, um, Toronto, Montreal, that have a little bit better success that would require a little bit more to get over one and a half points here. And so what if McDavid, for example, is plus 110, as an average number and again I'm just looking at this now so we have 50 games where I haven't paying paying attention to this prop bet at any point but what if he's plus 110 well now all of a sudden instead of minus three you're at about even money here right so now instead of you know if Edmonton's minus one, 120 and you're at minus two just betting the Oilers you're now at even when it comes to betting on mcdavid so I think it actually ends up being better but it has to do with price threshold right so tonight's price threshold is 15 cents so Edmonton you know betting on Edmonton requires minus 115 betting on mcdavid just requires even money so there's a 15% price threshold in between right 15 cents in between well what we've just seen here is this becomes profitable betting on mcdavid to get two points or more is more profitable than just betting the oilers and that's blanket that's every single game but it has to be a 20 cent difference for it to be profitable whether it's minus 120 plus 100 whether it's even money for the oilers but plus 120 for mcdavid so i think that's a really sort of interesting lesson in sort of how these sportsbooks price the props versus how they price the money lines because again you know listen if edmonton was plus 120 to win a game here I would think that McDavid to go over one and a half it would be considered more difficult because they're playing a team that is better you know perceived to be better than the Oilers right so I would assume that McDavid would have to be plus 140 if Edmonton's plus 120 in a game to win and McDavid is still plus 100 to get two points. I would then see there being value on Edmonton because Edmonton again is probably not going to win unless McDavid gets two points so why bet the even money in that case when you can grab the plus 120 so an interesting dive into you know the betting angle right because we can all sit here and go oh McDavid for the heart trophy and like is he going to get 100 points is he going to average two points per game like all of this like hockey stuff right which is hockey talk for sports radio but when it comes to betting radio like right, a betting podcast like what does it all mean and how is it relevant and I think we've sort of sussed something out here that when we're looking at betting the Oilers it's worth taking a look at what the McDavid prop is for points for because the goals ones priced about accurately but the over one and a half might have something off to it here because when he scores he scores in bunches and on the flip side finally last thing worth mentioning is that when he doesn't it's not particularly pretty here right Edmonton and Montreal uh you know Montreal has shown that they've had like really really good results here against uh you know McDavid and sort of Tamping him down, and that's what's you know given them some success against him this season. Well, McDavid has 17 points in 18 games in uh like you know those other games essentially, right? And he's got only four goals in that time, and so it is he is capable of being shut down, but that's why the bursts um are even more impressive. That's the stuff, right? Whether it's hat-trick or five. Point game five assist night something along those lines those bursts are what bump his number up and so you have to sort of define okay what do we need to happen when we're betting on this right we're not betting over one and a half average points the rest of the season he's got that covered we just need to know numerically how many times he's going to do something in this case two plus so again a twenty percent threshold or excuse me a twenty cent threshold um you know when you're looking at oilers games what's the more valuable bet twenty cents that's the key finally last one and thanks for hanging in for that hopefully that was at least interesting if you know it didn't make any sense at all or hopefully it made a ton of sense and you can use that maybe you can use that for a different player right maybe it's a you know Sidney Crosby maybe it's a a Nathan McKinnon right but I don't know that there's any other team in the NHL that is so reliant on one player and again why shouldn't they be Uh, Toronto and Montreal and so fundamentally here we've got sort of a different math equation and this is um you know this lends itself to an explanation on how market analysis works and so when you're sitting around you're betting hockey you go okay this team's favored okay that makes sense and then every once in a while you go why is this team favored and it's this sort of um you know intrinsic thing where you're like why are the why is Montreal favored on the road against Winnipeg we've talked about this and about why that actually is and if you're you know you see somebody say I don't know why this team's favored over this team then they clearly don't have any grasp on um NHL analytics and how money lines are working you don't even have to track things like high danger chances or expected goals for that's just to create my own price to compare with the market put with the marketplace but what you can do on your own and it doesn't take all that much is that you can create your own ratings just based on money lines that exist and all it takes is just tracking those money lines each and every day now I say that going saying each and every day as if you like you really want to be tracking that for an entire season But fundamentally, this is how it works. Teams have ratings, right? And so, you know, again, I always say like make a point spread for football, make a point spread for basketball. I would also say make a rating for a team. Now again, if you're just making it out of thin air, how helpful is that going to be? Well, it's at least a start. It's at least better than just kind of going off gut instinct. But teams have ratings, and part of that is built before the season starts, right? And so the season starts, and we've again, we've talked about this before total points, right? It's the same thing in football with win totals, right? We have a rating already for the Kansas City Chiefs. We don't need the first game of the season to find out that the Kansas City Chiefs are well liked in the market. Their win total is going to be like 11.5, something along those lines. People are going to bet it's probably going to go up to 12, maybe even to 12.5 and or 13 who knows right we're at 17 game season at this point 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 is it's like we all get to sort of put money into the pool here and figure out who's good and who's bad right so for example Montreal plays a league average team on a neutral um you know ice sheet if you will are they favored or are they not well we know before the season starts okay people think highly of Montreal because they're the second favorite in the center uh, excuse me in the north division and you go okay so what does that mean all right well They, we think that they're going to get, you know, 78 points and Toronto, we think is, you know, number one team. They're going to get 85.5% of the points. Okay. Or I should say 85.5 points. So we go, okay, what percent of Montreal's points relative to Toronto's points? Like how much far, how far behind are Montreal Um, from Toronto well it's the same thing where you go okay well Calgary is sitting here at exactly league average expected points in the season so you know if we're playing a 56 game schedule you know you would think you know maximum you can get right is 112 minimum that you can get obviously is zero but the average isn't 56 because there's a three-point game element right so 10% 12% of games go to overtime that adds an extra point into the pool and so now Calgary even as an average team isn't getting 56 points this year they're getting like 63 points and so you go, okay well Calgary's a 63 point uh, team here now the season starts and stuff happens and that you know those ratings change and et cetera. Et cetera. and what you want to do is you want to have ratings based on kind of an average level right so 50 percent is average so if you're 50 if You know the way this works is if 56 is your number then you're doing pretty well if 60 percent is your average that's pretty great too like that's a really good rating right and so you can then take all of those ratings throughout the season all of those money lines that are sort of created off of those ratings and you can sort of see right so let's use Montreal as an example because that's the game that we're talking about right now and the start of the season you know Montreal was rated about a 52 all right cuz again people not that certain about Montreal my ratings rated them considerably higher than that because of the expectation that we had for them to have really good metrics have good goaltending and have more guys capable of scoring whether it was young guys getting a year older or some of the guys that they brought in into Foley and Josh Anderson <clears throat> excuse me and so you know we thought that highly of them so we bet a lot on, on you know bet frequently on Montreal And the the market started to adjust to their metrics. So they go from 52 up to 55, up to 56, to 57. There was even some dipping into the 60s. A Senators game where they were rated at 63.5%. We were probably sitting there going like, that's too high. We should bet on the Senators. Maybe that worked out. Maybe it didn't. Obviously, the Senators have had some success against Montreal. But then it sort of starts to dip down, they lose a couple times to the Senators here, they fire the coach, and now we're drip, dipping down, we're back into the 50s, and we're dipping lower, and we're, now we're sort of toggling back and forth, kind of depends on the opponent, kind of depends on the situation. There's some 60s and 65s against Vancouver, and then there's some 54s against Ottawa, uh, 54 and a 58 against Ottawa, but you can see how it sort of toggles back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, All right. Point is, is if their average number, which right now their average number in the marketplace is 59. Right. So 59 anything that extrapolates out to a 59 is an appropriate price if they were um, currently rated in their next game as a 63 we would be like well that's too high we should be looking to bet the other team if they happen to be a lot lower than that we would look to bet Montreal right hopefully that makes some sense, right? And the math gets a little bit complicated. And this is a podcast, and it's tricky to sort of figure all that out. But the point is, is like, you can start before the season to figure out, okay, who's above average, who's below average, and what their rating is. So again, you know, Ottawa's average right now is 42, right? If they're getting priced like a team that's average, that's rating should be 37, I'm going to bet on Ottawa. And that's what we're going to do a ton of the time, right? If we're, if we're, if we think that Ottawa is a 47, which we kind of do, that's why we're on Ottawa so frequently, right? Because they're getting priced like a 42. It's kind of that simple when it, when you talk about ratings, right? So then you get into it and you build like home or away percentages to factor in with regards to, um, you know, the money lines and all of that sort of thing. And so over the course of the season that rating dictates what the money line price should be. There's other var- variables on a day-to-day, right? We've obviously talked about the Canucks variable against the Leafs, right? Like that that price was outlandish, but it was you know, a 20% variable that because of COVID, their COVID break that they were going to just be terrible didn't end up being the case, they still ended up not deserving to win either of those games. But they did. So anyway, the win probability was probably tighter than what the market indicated, right? Those were good bets, even if they were going to lose. So for any given game, you can compare the rating of the team in that game, relative to their average rating for the season, and that's what brings us to Montreal and Toronto tonight. Is there a big adjustment, or just a too big adjustment? There could be an adjustment. There's always an adjustment. You're not. You're very rarely going to see sort of a unique number going all the way through, right? You're just never going to see that. So on Toronto side of things, I have the, the market has Toronto rated at 64, right? That's highest in the division. That makes a ton of sense. So Toronto's money line market rating and this isn't my rating this is what the market has decided over the course of almost 50 games this season they've rated them at 64.3 percent that means that 64.3 percent of the time they're going to beat a league average team so if 64 goes up against 50 Toronto in this case being the 64 they're going to win 64 percent of the time right if they're going up against Ottawa that number is going to go up if they're going up against another good team that's rated relatively highly that number is going to go down so here's what's interesting about this game tonight between Toronto and Montreal. Toronto's average is 64. Their current money line price here, as they are sitting at what, minus 155 at this point, that price indicates a 72 for Toronto. The last time they were above 70 was, sure enough, against Vancouver. With Vancouver coming off of a COVID break, they were a 76.8 in the first game, then they were 74.7 in the second game, obviously way too high. Now we're encroaching upon that at 72 at this point. Otherwise, again, like I said, the average of the team has been 64. Now they started out high, they were starting out in that first game way back when against Montreal at home, they were a 61.7 right which ended up being actually a little bit low relative to the rest of the market which is funny that they've improved over the course of this season uh in their market in the market's uh, um opinion of them if you will but we're at a 72 which is let's just say a little high for a team that has lost a few games now again they've won a couple against Winnipeg is that all that impressive especially after Winnipeg lost six to one to Edmonton you know, maybe not that impressive, right? You know, part you know, first game helped that they scored two goals on their first two shots, um, helped in the second game that you know they got to a little lead there, and you know, were certainly good enough defensively to keep Winnipeg off the board. But again, Winnipeg then loses six to one to Edmonton, and you go, okay, is Winnipeg even that good at this point? Um, obviously, without Ealers and all of these other things, right? Hellebuck not playing very well, et cetera, et cetera. Point is, is like, were those two games enough to boost? Toronto up to a 72 I kind of don't really think so uh, on the flip side Montreal what have we seen from Montreal well they edged Calgary for finally getting a win we've talked about how their are um, rating on my side of things again completely different element um, has dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and maybe that's why we're seeing this drop the way that we have with Montreal now on Saturday with a fresh goaltender in Caden Primo, they were a 52 in this game they're a 54.6 but as mentioned their average market rating again not my rating the average rating for the market that we have all pretty frequently thought was too low given their metrics is 59 so they are a full five uh, percentage points in rating um you know undervalued in this game And Toronto is a good, what did we say, 72 to 64? That's nine percentage points too high. And so we have this massive discrepancy just in the marketplace. Again, forget about my ratings of these teams. Again, Toronto's has improved as they are now up to an 11 above. So that's about a 61. And uh, Montreal has dipped down to a nine. But over the course of basically since they fired the coach, they're only about 3% above average. So again, my market or my, excuse me, my rating has Toronto Greatly improved over the last little while and Montreal greatly down, but the market rating has sort of taken this concept and gone overboard with it. And so again, we don't know who's going to win the game tonight. Certainly Toronto is the favorite, probably deserves to be favored, but we haven't seen anything like this when it comes to a discrepancy in the marketplace. Now, maybe it's, you know, Primo's starting, maybe Jake Allen's starting, maybe nobody has any faith in either of them. You know, I don't know. But we're talking about a Montreal team at home here at plus 135 in a matchup this season that I don't think has gotten higher than like plus 115 or even 110 for Montreal. And in some cases, they were even sort of a pick in this game. So I think the one bet, unfortunately, it isn't Ottawa over Vancouver tonight it has to be Montreal plus 135 against Toronto again another game where you go okay it's the underdog we always expect the favorite to win but from a valuation standpoint here the market has gone too far now again is that because of goaltending is that because of uh, Brendan Gallagher being out you know we're sort of waiting for some other shoe to drop but I don't know that there is a shoe out there that exists that makes this a fair price on either side tons of math, tons of high concept betting stuff here. But again, that's what I want to do on this podcast. And I know it's a little bit more hardcore, but every once in a while, we should be a little bit more informative than most are. So hopefully you like that. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.